0: Well, it's morning where I am. So good morning. In fact, I'm heading out to speak at Centerville, Tennessee later on in just about 40 minutes. So you know this one's not going to go too long. This is Revelation uh, chapter 3, and only two churches are mentioned in chapter 3. And then we leave the easier part of the book and get into some really exciting stuff. In Revelation 3, verses 1 through 6, to the angel of the church of Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of god and the seven stars seven doesn't mean seven remember this in our western culture it absolutely does in the sciences it absolutely does but in jewish and general literature of that age seven all of them he holds all of the spirits he holds all of the stars i know your deeds you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy the one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white i will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life but will acknowledge that name for my father and his angels whoever has ears let him hear the message of the spirit to the churches okay sardis um it used to be a royal city it was a once was town have you ever gone through one of those where it looked like it was grand and prosperous at some time, but now most of the storefronts, maybe all of them are done. Yeah, maybe they're, they're closed and they're, uh, you know, they're even broken down in ruins. But you'll see dead malls. In fact, there are even websites that you can go and, and see how a mall used to look like and then how it died and what it looks like now. And, and that's more interesting perhaps than it should be. But this was a once-was town. It was really great. And it wasn't anymore. And the people were coasting on their reputation as greats. They had inherited their wealth, and they really didn't see any need to do anything constructive with their wealth. They were just rich and saying, "No, everything's fine." But outside their doors, the economy was crashing. The people were unhappy, and it was—it would soon fall apart. Sardis would. It, in, in fact. It was known for two big things. It was known for its tall, almost impregnable Acropolis. And that's what they would say. Oh, it's almost impregnable. This, this tall hilltop with all these temples, no enemy can take it, except that it had been taken twice. They just ignored that and still said, look at this great thing that protects us. So they were known for that and for a massive Acropolis. Acropolis means the city of the dead. Uh, there was, they just had a really good graveyard. It was big and it was very fancy. Think of some of the things you might see in New Orleans or in Glasgow, Scotland. We actually have a, a huge necropolis right by the Glasgow Cathedral, and people come to look at it for reasons that escape me. But they do. Um, that said, watch out. He says you've got to work. You've got to wake up. It's really important. My son and I, uh, and I won't give details of him and his life because you know he deserves privacy. But my son and I will text each other every so often when we receive a word down the military pipeline or down the law enforcement pipeline and we're connected to those. And it will basically say, keep your eyes open and your head on a swivel. And they're saying something's coming. This is the way this works. And it's not drama. They don't do the drama thing. It is we caught the chatter we're looking for this, keep your eyes open. Well, Sardis wasn't keeping their eyes open. And they were told uh, time and time again by the people around them, oh, look at this beauty. Rather like going into the Colosseum, the ruins of the Roman Colosseum and going, wow, this is impressive. It it used to be amazing. Right now, what it reminds you of is um, once upon a time but right, it's not so, it's not a very, it really needs some some drywall and spackle, you know, something to fix it. Sardis was like that even in their hearts. And there was a rule in the temples that you could not approach a temple if your garments were soiled. And, and Jesus here is saying, You've soiled your garments. See, they know exactly what that means. It means you cannot draw near to God until you repent this God is not happy with this and that's something we need to remember and I hope that we do remember is that repentance does matter Uh, you have no right to tell another person when and how to repent you tell yourself when and how to repent that's important you let the spirit convict you so I'm not asking you to go around and yelling repent at others I'm asking you to go to a mirror and look at that and say, repent. Okay? Then, not a not a big message there, but Philadelphia, really interesting place. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. Remember, he keeps saying that, and sometimes that's a good I, you know, good message, sometimes it isn't. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you've kept my word and have not denied my name. And I will make who are the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you've kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth wow something's coming i am coming soon hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown the one who is victorious i will make a pillar in the temple of my god that that would look great on the resume right never again will they leave it i will write on them the name of my god and the name of my city of my god the new jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my god and I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears to hear what the Spirit, said, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches." Wow. Well, Philadelphia was a remarkable place. No wonder they named a city in Pennsylvania after it. And yes, Philadelphia does mean the city of brotherly love. But it was a huge Greek town that was also a Roman town. And these things did not work well together most places but the integration in Philadelphia really worked the Greek and the Roman culture interflowed amongst itself in ways that were very impressive no wonder it was known as a place of love it lived in a it was a very wealthy place and in Philadelphia was a very wealthy Jewish community once again they did not like the attention the Christians were calling on them because Romans were then looking at Christians and assuming they were Jews and launching investigations, spies. it was considered routine back then, by the way, for soldiers to just go grab a couple of women or men out of a, out of a worship or heard that there was a worship and just take them to the prison and torture them until they heard everything they wanted to hear, see what they knew. And often, they would release them tortured, crippled, scarred for life and say, you know, we didn't find anything wrong here. That's great. Good news for the community. There were no individual rights. And so this is going to cause some real problem for the Jewish community. As the Jewish community begins to separate more and more from the Christian community, we could also say the Christian community going away from the Jewish community. Let's not blame that. The blame comes to the synagogue of Satan because the jews were forcing the point of division in the bible there are three things that ta- that are said if you do these things it's as if you weren't baptized it's you have lost your religion one is consistent persistent, you know consistent persistent non-repentant sexual immorality in other words you don't care you're doing it and you're proud of it that's going to cause a problem with god another is denying that jesus is the christ That's going to cause a problem with the God. And then heresy. And when we say heresy, some people think, well, they got the doctrine wrong. You know, heresy means division. And when the Jews were going to the authority saying, we are divided, we are divided, that's about the worst thing you can do. God does not give us a duty to divide. He calls us to be one. And that's that's what's going on here. And it is very sad. The Philadelphia is going to survive. They're going to be tough. They would survive even when all of the other churches around them were in ruins or on the run. The church in Philadelphia would survive. These words are exactly right. Even when the Muslims took over that area, this is the only one of the seven churches of Asia that survived and thrived. Historians say that uh, way back early in its history, the reason that the church survived in Philadelphia was because of a woman named Ammia, A-M-M-I-A, who was considered a great prophet in the community. Prophets don't tell the future most of the time. In the Bible, less than 20%, 25%, if you really push it, of what a prophet said is about the future in any sense about it's going to be good or bad, or saying a guy named Cyrus is going to come. That stuff's minor. When somebody's a prophet, they are preaching word. They're preaching scripture. They're preaching truth. Part of a minister's job is to be a prophet. But he also has a job of being a priest, which means that's the one-on-one and the care. But Amia was a prophet, and and they considered her, uh, and again, ancient writings are very strong on this, The equal of the four daughters of Philip, who were also preachers, prophets, and Agabus, the great male prophet of the time. But it survived. This church survived till 13, was it 1392? A church surviving 1300 years. Uh, That may be a record. Uh, I imagine the Copts have, the Coptic uh, church has some that would beat it, but wow. So Jesus opens the door for them. Well, what's the door? Yeah, I got a squeaky chair. Um, I'm at that age. These could be my bones squeaking as well. What is that open door all about? They would understand what that means. They are free to leave, free to come, and free to leave, and free to come. They will be a missionary church, and they were. It was, uh, by the way, none of the attacks from the Jewish community actually landed on them. Uh, There were attempts, but nothing landed on them. No pagan could shut that door which leads us to a very good question. Um, And the age of COVID and whatever post-COVID age is, and with the divisive nature of our politics and the like, and we are a divided people. I mean, we saw that in the recent election. Um, What happens when churches go dark? Because people who do this stuff for a living, working with churches, are saying that 25% are gonna go dark in the next few years because people got used to not going, and paying vast amounts of money for real estate utility bills and the like but they still want community we're working on that not as in everybody i mean, there are a lot who are but as patrick working on this night and day and hoping to talk to you more about that as we go ahead revelation 3 14 through 22 Laodicea. this isn't going to be good To the angel of the church in laodicea right these are the words of the amen the faithful and true witness the ruler of god's creation Uh, a little different greeting there the amen so be it i'm the one that says it and it is period he is the faithful and true witness whatever he says you got to go with that's why jesus is so offensive frankly to our world because he says things like i am the way the truth the life no man comes to the father but by me you know, a lot of people would accept jesus and think he's a great guy but the exclusivity of it i believe in the exclusivity of it So, uh, Laodicea was about to see what happens when you mess with him i know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot i wish you were one or the other so because you are lukewarm neither nor cold i'm about to spit you out of my mouth well there go words you do not want to hear from jesus Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they will eat with me. You just heard a fan come on that humidifies the guitars. So I'm gonna pull this a little bit closer because while that may be distressing and um, it might even distract you somewhat, the guitars need to drink. So there you are. He says, um, okay, uh, you, you say I'm rich. You say I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Yikes. I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. And then he says, I read that out of order. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I'll come in and eat with that person. In the first century, that was massive. You are who you eat with. If you eat with a person, you are in fellowship with them. You owe them friendship and they owe you friendship and you consider yourself equals. That's what the eating is all about in in these times. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear with the spirit says to the churches laodicea was the wealthiest town in the area then they produced an eye salve uh, that treated all all kinds of eye diseases the best they knew how they also produced a black wool that nobody else produced the only thing they really lacked as a city was good water it's rather like when you're driving on interstate 10 in western louisiana and you pass the town of sulfur you know what the water will taste like I've been in Texas several times where I would never put ice in my drink and never buy, never have water from there because in that, in that area, the water was bad, it was sulfur. And I remember one time even just getting uh, some, I asked for a Coke or tea or whatever they had, and it came uh, with ice in it. And as the ice melted, more sulfur came out. And I'm going, oh, okay, um, I don't have a sulfur deficiency. I don't need to be doing this. The term, so the bad water, and so he uses it. We use the term lukewarm to mean neither hot nor cold, and it sounds like that's exactly what he's saying, but it isn't. They didn't use the term lukewarm to mean bleh. They were saying it isn't useful. You can use hot water. You can use cold water. Lukewarm is not acceptable for any real purpose. He's saying you really got to, you have no impact on your community. You have no impact on the direction of your neighbors. You, you look like you're a nice church, but you're doing nothing. This is sadly true. Many, many, many churches are there for a pet power project, perhaps of the leadership, or very often a family project uh, that they keep power and keep everything in order the way they want it, or It's there to keep the members happy. I've told many churches that I've worked with over the years, I fly about and work with leaderships. I said, if you continue to do this, you need to put, because they would say, if we do this, that'll upset this. If we do this, that'll upset this. So you just need to put a sign out front saying, keeping the Smith family happy for 43 years. Because you're not doing anything for Jesus. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're not useful for him. Well, they were set up with a a choice. Go over your ministries and see which ones are pets and which ones are useful. Pets we bring around and pet them because that makes us feel good, but they don't really contribute to the overall economy of things. Some pets do. You know, I've always I, I love dogs. I love parrots. I love pets, but we have to understand that pets are a drain unless they're useful. You may be very comfortable with that train and love the process and they might be worth it for you you know emotionally or, you know i'd like to rent a dog five minutes a day twice a day just to greet me when i wake up and greet me when i come home they're the best in the world at that but pet ministries are a drain if they don't reach the community if all they do is keep the flock happy you're laodicea well next week. And by the way, the choice was invite Jesus in or fade away. Those are your choices. And in this age with these politics and these COVID things um, and how sharply we are divided as a people, it really is time to hop off the nation is Lord and culture is Lord bandwagons and get back to Jesus is Lord and be a first commandment Christian. We will have no other gods before God. Therefore. We were the people of God and we're going to make a difference in our community. For the next week, read chapters four through seven. We're not going to do that. We're going to probably do a chapter each time. But I want you to read it quickly and then come back. Read it quickly again and come back. Then if you want to read it slowly, do so. But remember, these people would hear it. And so they're getting a big picture. They're not getting bogged down in the wee beds. And so I'm wanting you to do the same. Okay. I'm off to go preaching. i got to go work. Hope you've enjoyed Revelation chapter three. I'm looking forward to the throne room scene in chapter four. God bless you. Have a blessed Sunday if you're watching on a Sunday. Or be a, have a blessed wherever you are and whatever it is. Follow God.